This is a Federal News Network podcast. The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Mark Amtower of Amtower and Company, which is entirely responsible for its content. This is Amtower Off Center on Federal News Network. Every week, author, speaker, consultant Mark Amtower gives you his take on what's going on in the world of federal marketing. Now, your host, Mark Amtower. Welcome to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. Um, returning guest today, Lee Fredrickson of Hinge Marketing. Lee, welcome back. It's a pleasure to be here, Mark. Good to have you. So you guys uh, have been been busy. You have a uh, an updated version of the Visible Expert Study out. And as always, I, I enjoyed it. I especially enjoyed this one, but we'll get into that later. But uh, for, for those who don't know Hinge, please give a little background. Okay. Uh, well, one of the things Hinge has done is really focused on researching professional services firms and how they grow, how the fastest ones grow. We're in the branding and marketing business. That's what we do. And so our commitment is to try to figure out what makes them grow. And several years ago, we really kind of codified the concept of the visible expert as being the individual within a firm that really uh, brings visibility to the expertise that that individual and that that firm has. And that's what this is about. We did a study about seven years ago, and this is a redo of that study where we looked at over 220 visible experts and 275 clients and compared how they see things. Cool. So what's what's new in the new study? Well, I, I think there are a few things that we really wanted to focus on that we've uh, learned about visible experts. And, and one of those is uh, we wanted to understand the role of how, how do you figure out what expertise is the right one for you? Because we've run across a number of people, they say, well, I'm kind of an expert in this, but I don't know where to focus. So we wanted to focus on that whole concept of what, what type of an expert are you and where do you focus your effort? Uh, and then we also found some intriguing things really about the relationship between visible experts, how different visible experts, how they help each other out in some ways that were kind of uh, surprising and a bit unexpected as well. I think those were some of the things that were really the, the biggest eye-openers for us. And then, of course, we wanted to really update uh, how do you market in this virtual world when all the face-to-face things that you used to been, uh, be doing, uh, they just don't have those kinds of events. You don't have those kinds of networking events. Yeah, we haven't had those uh, going on a year now. But so that, that first point you made about, you know, I, I'm kind of an expert over here. So are you you going in there and doing some research to help them differentiate themselves from other people or to fine-tune it or both? Well, we, we find that for some people, it's a matter of figuring out how you're different than other folks. You know, what are the what are the things, where should your focus be? But for others who are earlier in their career, they're really not sure, like, how should I go about doing this? You know, what should I be an expert in and what should I focus in and so forth? And we found that that is a, uh, actually a big challenge for a lot of people 
early on in their career. Where later on in your career, it's a somewhat different set of challenges. There, it's more about how do I spend my time productively and not waste my time, and and, and how do I say no to some of these things? Well, how do I choose which things I should be doing and which things I shouldn't? Yeah, it's funny because when I started in the government market, I did so because I found a niche that was not really occupied. Nobody was mm-hmm. specializing in marketing to the government. And and that excited me, but it didn't create that initial passion. Mm-hmm. As, as I got good at it and then got better at it, then the passion started to evolve. So, but I, I don't see that with all of the experts that I know, that, that passion yeah. seems to be lacking with some. Yeah, I, I think it. I think it is because they've never gotten to the point where they had sort of a love for the subject matter, and I, I think that's sort of it. You know, when when you're a, a visible expert and you're on the front edge of figuring out what's the next thing and what's the best way to do things and what's the new information or the new alternative, that can be really exciting. And it, it takes people a while to get there sometimes. You know, they, they have to figure out what already exists and what do I know. And, and that's one of the uh, challenges a lot of people have. They try to be too broad an expert. You know, in other words, if they're, uh, if they're a CPA, uh, you know, being an expert in all types of taxation, that's a big, big lift. However, being a, uh, a, an expert on how taxation is going to apply to cryptocurrencies, okay, that's something you can do. So, and, and that I think that's one of the things where people, they start out too ambitious and then lose it before they really be developed that level of expertise and recognition. Okay. So how does one develop this? What are the uh, approaches to evolving or becoming a visible expert? You know, there we've identified five different kinds of strategies. If you look at experts and how they go about applying their expertise, you know, the the most common sort of strategy is what we call the bridge builder, and this is someone who uh, they have one area of professional expertise, but they get excited about or learn something about a new area that hasn't traditionally been necessarily been uh, related to that area and they bring those two areas together and you see a lot of that when it's um, uh, you know a young lawyer focusing on what are all the legal implications of self-driving autonomous vehicles who's going to be responsible for that even though there haven't been the lawsuits and it's not you don't you know you would be crazy to have that as your primary practice because there aren't enough of them, but that's something, that's a technology area that's coming and that someone can understand. And that's the kind of the bridge builder. That's about four out of 10 experts are sort of fall into the bridge builder category. Mm -hmm. Then you have another one that is uh, closer to what you were uh, early on, and that's the first mover find something that's emerging and boy, there's nobody really in that area yet. That's interesting. I want to learn about that. I'm going to focus on that. And they're the first one in uh, usually. 
Uh, you see a fair number of these kinds of experts in the technology area uh, where they try to be the first one in. Uh, that's where a lot of them are. Uh, and then you have a variation kind of on the first mover, but these are the individuals who really zero in on a niche specialty. It's uh, maybe they do valuation of businesses, but they don't focus on all businesses. They, uh, I one, met one expert who was a specialist in evaluating private water projects. So, you know, private water projects being like a town that has their own water supply. And right. what's the value of that? If the taxpayers are going to buy it or something's going to happen, how do you value a water uh, utility? And, you know, nobody else knew how to do it. He became the expert in it. And then you have uh, one of my favorites is kind of the curator. And the curator is someone who takes uh, knowledge and sort of gets the best of the best and pulls it together. Uh, curators, sometimes they start out as publishing a newsletter where they have to pull information from a bunch of people. Uh, or what's going on in this industry, and they sort of become an expert in the trends and the things that are impacting that industry. Uh, and then finally, there's the contrarian. That's, that's the person when everybody else sees it this way, this is the person who can see it the other way. You know, there's another side to this. And uh, they're the most rare of experts because... Uh, not everything has a, a, an opposite side, but, uh, but we find that people have different mixes of these in their careers. And, uh, and, and it's not, you know, it's not uh, unsurprising that you may evolve your career over time. Someone starts out as a, uh, a first mover in something and then eventually evolves into a bridge builder with another area. Um, but understanding those, we found that gives people a lot of understanding about, you know, what should I be doing? How should I be spending my time? Where should I be focused? Well, you know, it leads me to one of the traits that we've discussed before, and that's a visible expert. Any kind of expert needs to be a curious person. Mm -hmm. Yes. Curious, disciplined, and uh, be willing to do a little bit of extra work to be able to get ahead to, you know, it's work to learn something that's uh, new and that other people don't or to come up with new ideas. Yep. But it's also extremely rewarding. Um, and for some of us, a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break. You're listening to Tower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here with Lee Fredrickson of Hinge Marketing. You can find him at hingemarketing.com. You can also find the study, uh, the new visible expert study there. I strongly suggest that you get this and look at it. It has, um, number one, has some great information. Number two, it has a lot of, of uh, potential for pretty much any company I've ever run across. So pick it up. Lee and I'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. My guest today is my friend Lee Fredrickson. Um, this is probably the seventh or eighth time we've we've done this uh him on my show me on his podcast uh or just getting on the phone 
and and geeking out over some esoteric aspects of uh, visible expertise. And I appreciate that because I have a great time every time we talk. So what roles do other experts play? Um, you know, so you yeah. and I are in, in overlapping areas. Um, we both know some other people. You collaborate with Rain, for instance, uh, the Rain Group, uh, occasionally. So, why? Yeah, <laughs> it's a great question. Yeah, you know, the, the, uh, why are we doing this? Yeah, a lot of times the initial interaction when you talk about other experts is to think of them as competitors. And there can be certain circumstances where you offer identical services in the same time, and so on and so forth. But what we have learned as a practical matter is that your relationship with other experts does a number of things for you. Number one, just being associated with other experts, you're, you're judged kind of by the company you keep. So if you're hanging around with other experts who are leaders in their field, the sort of the assumption is that you must be a leading light in your field too. So just by the association, you gain credibility working with and being on programs with and being associated with other experts. Uh, second thing they do is they really help sharpen your skills by discussing things like you and I, you know, we'll get around and we'll a bits about, uh, you know, some kind of esoteric statistic or one little detail or what about this or what about that. And you challenges your thinking and it gives you new hypotheses to look at and a different perspective on things. So that's really one of the important ways experts keep their skills sharp is by talking with other experts and working with other experts. And then, of course, there is the, the thing where you're working with them on projects sometimes, where putting um, together another expert to help you on a project or making a referral or something to a project that can really help out one of your clients something like that. So there's the actual tangible business that, that comes from it. And then finally, there's a mentorship element to it too, especially for younger people as they're learning, you know, how to be an expert and what it's like and so forth. And we find that experts are by and large, they're natural teachers. They're curious people and they tend to like to share what they've learned. Uh, so they're natural learners and natural teachers. And I, I think that makes them great collaborators and great sources of information. Yeah, I, I agree. And But, you know, I've had a number of people reach out to me. And, and let's just say I find some of them borderline. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, and, and, you know, I don't want to discourage them. But by the same token, I, I only have so much time to spend. Mm -hmm. So, um, so usually, and I have that Calendly app, right? So you can book 15 minutes of my time. Mm -hmm. Every now and again, I find myself calling myself from my cell phone to my office phone. So the phone rings and, oh, gee, all of a sudden I have to get off this call. With the <laughs> other um, yes. Well, there, um, there certainly is that the, you know, the issue of, you know, how to tell a real expert. And, you know, uh, I think that the real genuine experts uh, tend to be pretty respectful of other experts because they understand what it takes and what's involved in it. And they're as willing to give as they are 
ask in return. And I, I think that's one of the things that makes them uh, that makes them a genuine expert. Yeah, there, there's there's been this little thing you may have noticed over the past year or so. This thing called a pandemic. Oh, really? And, and I've I've heard such. I mean, you know, I'm I'm home based anyway, so I'm pretty oblivious to the outside world, anyhow. Um, but uh, it it's out there. Um, so how how has this impacted visible experts ability to get out there i mean visible experts love to speak they love to network uh they love to pal around you know like we were just talking about you, you get together with your 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 peers and how, how do you deal with this how, how did it impact us how did it impact you yeah well it's uh I think that's one of the things that is a challenge because one of the very most powerful kind of techniques that experts say is speaking and speaking and networking and speaking events are powerful ways of, of uh, generating business. Uh, what we've seen is that experts have adapted to that and they have substituted uh, social media for face-to-face -face networking. We've seen a really big increase in the use of social media uh, by experts as a replacement. And of course, webinars, uh, podcasts, those are also coming up as replacements. Uh, I would say the one thing that people, that experts are probably underestimating though, is the power of search engines and SEO. We're finding that more and more uh, people who are looking for experts, they're going to search engines earlier in the process to try to figure out what is this business issue I have? Is this an issue that's really worth my time? Is it worth solving? And as they start to research the issue, that's where they uncover the experts. So, okay, so you're, you're talking about somebody just going to Google and typing in a phrase, uh, I need this kind of person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do I do with revenue recognition on this? And they find somebody who's got an article about that. And if that person, they start to follow that, that person then becomes in their mind, becomes an expert on that. Okay. So what it is, is a mat. It's a matter of substituting digital alternatives for the online networking that we used to uh, that used to be so prevalent. Now, I suspect when it comes back, it's going to continue to be powerful, but I don't expect it to be quite as powerful as it has been in the past. Just because that's a little bit of a trend, people are a little bit less likely to do face-to-face -face events. We see that sort of eroding across time. So, I would not be surprised that we'll see an acceleration there. Yeah, I, there, there's a couple reasons for that, too. And, and one of those is the likelihood that telework is going to uh, remain uh, a significant factor. And when you're home, you're less likely to go out to an event than when you're at the office. Yeah, well, you absolutely you have that. But there, there's also, you know, there's also another thing that's going on here, and that is when uh, everyone learns that you don't need to be local to work with a professional, all of a sudden then your competitive set just got much larger. 
because now anyone who's anywhere, not just local, anyone who's anywhere could be a potential competitor. When everyone is working remotely, then geography matters less. So I, I think that the second really big implication of that is that people are going to become more and more particular about finding just the right expert to help them with their problem. And we've seen that in some other research we've done on buyers, that the relevancy of the person, in other words, the relevancy of the expertise is going up over time. In other words, people are finding firms, they're finding experts, finding individuals who are they see as more and more relevant to their specific situation. They understand my industry. They understand what I'm going through. They've got experience doing it before. And this person really is an expert in this. Cool. I want to uh, pick up on that when we get back. We're, you're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. Uh, Lee Fredrickson and I shall return in just a moment. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. Uh, again, I'm here today with Lee Fredrickson of Hinge Marketing. You were talking about, uh, you know, people searching. Um, it, you know, it, it occurred to me while you were saying that, that when I go on Amazon and I try to search by topic, it's really kind of a hit or miss kind of thing. And I think that's a grossly overlooked aspect of Amazon. Um, so I'll call Mr. Bezos when we get done here and let him know. Uh, well, I don't think I need to. I think he's listening. Oh, yeah, probably. Um, yeah. Oddly enough, I recommended uh, Walter Isaacson's book, uh, The Collected Writings of Jeff Bezos, to you earlier today. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> looks uh, interesting. <laughs> it, it, it's it's a great book um but but so what are you when you when you're searching for experts number one if if it's a phrase put it in quotes so it retains the integrity mm -hmm. of the phrase um but you know you, you you find a book you find some articles you find a blog uh you find uh you know a person or two you start following them um one of the things that irritates me, and, and this is particularly true when I find them on LinkedIn. So when I find somebody, I'm always going to look them up on LinkedIn and see what they do. Some people don't engage there. You know, you ask a question, you throw out, you know, uh, post their article, you, you comment on it and say, what do you think? And you never hear back. What's wrong with this picture? <laughs> <laughs> the, well it's a it's a nice way of saying i don't want to deal with you <laughs> i don't want your business <laughs> yeah and, and i think mark what it is is that um you know most of the time when we talk about searching and so forth people aren't necessarily searching for the expert per se they're searching about an issue a business issue they have so in some ways you know, you need to not only be aware of what your business, uh, you know, how people would uh, search for your type of expertise, but also what are the kinds of issues or problems that they might be trying to solve that you have the right solution for. 
So that's sort of a little bit different way. And think of it as one step before, because before you're searching for a professional, you're, you're trying to figure out what is the right direction for a solution. And before that, you're trying to figure out, is this even a problem that I need to deal with or that I want to deal with? I mean, you know, uh, how many dozens of things, uh, solutions do you see, you know, coming before you every day and ads and emails and this, here's a solution for this problem. And many of the things I get just on the surface of it, that's not a problem I have. So, uh, and I think that's the problem with a lot of uh, experts is if they start too far down the line and they concentrate just on their expertise, I think it's more helpful to look at what are the issues and start to talk and write about those issues rather than just trying to get your specific expertise. Okay. So, um, so let's talk about... Uh, uh, the, the Covey principle, sharpen the saw. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how, how do people, how should people keep their expertise sharp? I know some of the ways that you and I do, uh, because they definitely overlap. But generally, I mean, you know, and, and we talked about, you know, uh, sharing ideas with uh, other similar experts. So what else do people do? What else should people do? Well, the, the first thing, and let's, and let's lay a big uh, uh, bouquet of roses on our second grade reading teachers, is they read. They read. <laughs> so first and foremost, the, the one thing that really sets uh, experts apart is they tend to be readers. They tend to look for information. They're always looking for more. Uh, the other thing that they do that really is helpful is the very act of the writing and teaching they do helps them get sharper because there's something about uh, expertise and knowledge that organizing it to convey it to someone else helps lock it in and helps you understand what you're really doing. I mean, that's what I found. If you want to learn something, teach somebody how to do it. And if you okay. can teach somebody how to do it, you probably know it. Yeah, I, I I like the Steinbeck adage myself. I set this down not so much to inform others, but to remind myself. Yes. Um, <laughs> and you know what? What one of the reasons I write some of the things I write is to make sure I'm clear about what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Because you know we we both have this nebulous idea in the back of our minds and it keeps nagging at us and nagging at us and the only way i can deal with it is to start writing about it mm-hmm. yep yep exactly and uh, i don't know about you mark but i find it not only do i find it's the only way i can deal with it, i find it's actually enjoyable to take something you don't quite know that's not quite in your grasp and start to work it Start to write down what you do know about it. Start to write down what you don't know about it. And then, you know, start to fill in the gaps. And, and that, uh, that process of discovery and uh, evolving knowledge or evolving useful ways to apply knowledge, uh, you know, I think that's one of the things people really get a charge out of. Yeah, and, and um, 
it, it's just one of those things. You go back to the SEO thing. When when I start writing, I, I run across these phrases, and I'm not quite sure. I know I've heard them before, so I'll Google them, mm-hmm. and I'll say, you know, where did where did this come up come from? What's it really mean, uh, and does it apply? Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And it's uh, some of those times it's those other concepts. It's from a slightly different perspective, a uh, slightly different discipline, something that, that are actually the most useful. The uh, I've seen that many times throughout my career where, and that of course is classic stuff that a bridge builder does. You take something, or uh, maybe we should, we should have called them uh, blue jays, you know, stealing the eggs from the other bird's nest. Yeah. You, know, you get an idea from here and you apply it there and you get an idea from over there and you, you bring those together and all of a sudden you're creating something that has more value than just what conventional wisdom was in your discipline. True. True. But you know, when, when I'm, when I'm doing those, uh, those searches, oftentimes I'll run across book references and it makes me immediately want to go to Amazon, get the damn book. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and I see you, you and Jeff Bezos have this conflicted relationship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he has all my money. I have all his books. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, it, it's, it's that, it's that curiosity factor Mm-hmm. that, that I, I keep coming back to. So what what other methods are there, or have we covered them, that, that experts need to do to keep sharp? Well, I think the other big one, we alluded to it earlier in a prior segment, is other experts. That is really one of the top ways that people keep themselves sharp, uh, besides the questions that come from the audience and from those other experts. You know, uh, the what abouts this or how does this work? Uh, I think it's uh, almost universal among experts that one of the big places they keep current on things is listening to the questions they get. Uh, That's why you'll see so many experts actually encourage questions. It's funny, I was swapping uh, uh, thoughts with a, a LinkedIn expert from Bristol, England, um, right up there next to, to Wales, uh, this morning, uh, Greg Cooper, uh, really good guy, uh, always asks bright questions on LinkedIn. And we got into, you know, why LinkedIn screwed up the groups because we used to have these really robust conversations in the groups on LinkedIn. And then they messed with the groups about five or six years ago. And the value of the groups, in my mind, in many people's minds, has gone down. They claim to be revitalizing it. I certainly hope they do because that's one of the places. I mean, you have these natural communities of affinity Mm -hmm. uh, right there, uh, literally millions of them. There's about 3 million groups on LinkedIn. Um, So you talk about being able to niche it down. Mm -hmm. So you find your, your community or multiple communities, you post your questions, you get answers. Um, Now there's fewer people answering. That's irritating. Yeah. Well, that that is a challenge. And uh, I think that's one of the things with a lot of these tools. These tools keep evolving. And so, you know, even if you're using something on a regular basis, you have to keep up with it. 
You know, it just doesn't. So if you disengage for a while, the world changes. Yep, that's true. Uh, and and you know the other answer is, and and this goes back to hanging out with with people of similar interests. You know, set up an set up a monthly Zoom with your your top five visible expert friends, and just you know have have a general topic for discussion, and then everybody weigh in. Mm-hmm. That's an you excellent know? idea. So. That's an excellent idea. I, I think it's these sort of uh, uh, different ways of uh, stirring up the pot, if you will, keeping the ideas moving, keeping the questions and, and so forth current and evolving that really uh, that creates a community of experts. And if you have that, uh, you know, it's hard to beat that really for stimulation and for keeping your expertise sharp. Yep. We're going to take our last break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'll be back to wrap up with Lee right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. Again, I'm here with Lee Fredrickson of Hinge Marketing. You can find him on LinkedIn or at hingemarketing.com. Uh, we've been talking in general about the new version of The Visible Expert, great book, uh, which leads me to my next question. Uh, what are you reading? Are you reading The Visible Expert? Or are you reading something else? Well, actually, we're, getting, we're starting to work on the second edition of The Visible Expert. So I'm going to be doing a lot of writing uh, coming up. But uh, what I'm reading right now is uh, the book that's on a lot of bestseller lists. It's called Cast. And it's about uh, the caste structure and how it applies to uh, America and different places around the world. It's a fascinating read. I so tried cast to, with an E. Uh huh. Cast with an E. Uh, I try to alternate my reading between uh, business books and professional books, and then those that are more, you know, general interest. Something I don't ordinarily read in the business and. I find out that by doing those two things, that that's very helpful to my thought thinking. I'll suggest another book for you then, uh, John Keegan's Intelligence in War. John Keegan's a, uh, the, the professor emeritus at Sandhurst, the British West Point, and he has a number of books out on the history of warfare. This one, Intelligence in War, uh, applies indirectly to what we've been talking about like you i i read a lot of things around our general work area but i love military history i like biography and i also uh delve into the fantasy universe on occasion i'm just getting ready to read ready player two um ready player one was a great book lots of fun uh, no, no heavy lifting involved. So there you go. <laughs> I, I need those on occasion. Yes. And, and yes. I am reading uh, uh, the Bezos book, Invent and Wonder, the Collected Writings of Jeff Bezos. Uh, I read it because Harvard sent it to me. Um, I, I like them. They send me books. Well, there you go. <laughs> um, so, um, final question. Um why should companies invest in developing 
subject matter experts, visible expert positions for either employees or or even for their companies? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a great question, Mark. And, and I think that uh, there's probably three big reasons for it. Uh, number one is it helps uh, bring in business and makes companies more profitable. So from just purely a business point of view, having visible experts makes it easier to bring in business and it makes it easier to bring in the kind of business that you're targeting with that expert. So that's number one. It's in your financial interest to do it. Number two is a recruiting thing. It's really helpful in recruiting. One of the things that uh, we know from our recruiting studies is that what professionals are looking for is a place where they can grow and learn, where they can learn something new. And, and having an expert, a known expert that you can work with or work under is a great incentive for recruiting. And the third thing it, it does, and this sort of actually combines a little bit uh, of all of them, is it really helps burnish their brand, uh, the brand of an organization, the reputation of it. You know, when I was uh, back in the university setting uh, at Virginia Tech, one of the things we did was uh, recruited a Nobel Prize winning, a uh, prize winner, uh, Buchanan. And the reason I think universities do that kind of thing is it adds to the prestige of the whole university. It has exactly the same effect for a firm. It adds to the prestige of the whole firm. So I think those are the big three reasons that firms should do it. Uh, what we see is when they do, they benefit by that, both from in the growth category and the recruiting category. So uh, it makes perfect sense. Okay, you go. I want to go back to that first one for a second, though. Uh, that it, that it helps bring in business. We yeah. both run across the companies where there are between five and twenty people and they claim between 20 and 50 areas of expertise mm-hmm. um, or, or they just cast this uh, general uh, catch all um, banner, you know, uh, a 10 person systems integrator, or if it's it, we do it kind of approach to the universe. Um, and occasionally or more than occasionally, I have a difficult time explaining to them that it's not the wisest approach. I I agree. What, the, what do uh, you do? Yeah, yeah. You ha- you have to be able to deliver on your promises, and you know if you position yourself and you obviously just on the surface of it, people have skepticism about what you're doing. That's the opposite of what you're trying to do. You know, really what you're trying to do is build up their trust in you. And by overclaiming and exaggerating your specialties, your credentials, your level of expertise, uh, it just really undermines the whole, uh, the whole process. And you may uh, actually, uh, you know, get some business doing that. You accidentally get some business. And then if you don't deliver on it, uh, it really puts you in a bad position. So my informal rule is you can never have more areas of specialty than you have people. Well, 
Yeah, but he, even then, I think you you may have uh, too many. Yeah. So what what I normally do when I'm faced with this is ask people where they make their money. What's the most profitable one of those things? Is this the thing you're most passionate about? Mm-hmm. And is there a particular client or set of clients that you do this for? Mm-hmm. So if, if I get two out of three answers that I like, we have the beginnings of a discussion. Mm-hmm. If they still lean towards the uh, broader approach, this is when I'll call myself and say, I have to go. Yeah. Well, I, I do think, uh, you know, some of these things, while for you and I that have been working in these areas for a while, they seem so obvious and true. But, you know, some of them on the surface are a little bit counterintuitive. People think that, uh, you know, if I claim a specialty, uh, that I'll be turning people away and then I'll get less business. Uh, you know, when the reality of it is, uh, the more specialized you are, the more likely you are to get more business. Uh, it's just that it's not really intuitive. So rarely do people get there on their own unless they have somebody guiding them. Cool. Final uh, final thoughts here. Well, uh, I, I think my uh, final thought is that uh, the more we learn about expertise, uh, the more we learn that it, it's really the centerpiece of professional services. And if you can build your career around a particular kind of expertise, uh, I think you're going to end up not only with a lot more enjoyment and reward in your career, it, it'll be a lot better off from all the financial perspective as well. Cool. Lee, always a pleasure, my friend. You know, let me know when the uh, the book is out because we'll we'll revisit at that time because I know it's not going to be next week. You have a lot of work to do. So yeah, thanks thank again for coming in. Lee Fredrickson, HingeMarketing.com. Hosting Amtower Off Center is fun, but it's not my day job. If LinkedIn has not become a primary tool for your company for building your professional network, communicating your core strength, for creating deeper relationships in your key accounts, we need to talk. So drop me a line at markamtower at gmail.com. And thanks for listening to Amtower Off Center. You've been listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Network. Tune in Mondays at noon or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. There's a better way to drive traffic to your e-commerce store. Harness the power of AdRoll Dynamic Display Ads. Promote your products with interactive ads or showcase your best offers with an in-ad video. Not only is it easy for customers, you save money too. Dynamic Display Ads lower cost per conversion by 50% compared to static ads. See the difference. Visit AdRoll.com to get started today.